This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. A very good morning. Wow. Pipes and the drums and the trumpets and everything to start us off this morning, Heels. Because we're on the road, not far from our place, but the Pineapple Hotel. Pine. Piney. Oh, we've walked <laughs> home from here a few times. What? What? Uh, we allowed to use that music, do you think? Well, I don't know. <laughs> very impressive, wasn't it? All I'd like to say, Paddy, mm. is how's that? <laughs> well, what's happened there? You've got to appeal, haven't you? <laughs> you know, in the cricket game, yes. the umpire didn't give a run out, uh, out because no one asked him the question. Well, I sort of went to bed before it happened. Oh, right. Because I thought we were just cruising along. This is after we Maxie's were. magic. And they were nine down, yeah. the West Indies. And there's a run out. Elzari Joseph out. No one appeals. Crickets. Gave the umpire crickets. But Tim David is at deep point. He comes running in and said, I appealed, I, I was appealing. I was appealing on the umpire. Can't work out where everyone's appealing or not. So he got, didn't get asked a question by Spencer Johnson who took the miles off mm. or Mitch Marsh or David Warner who are now mouthing off around me. Yeah. And yeah, he didn't have to give a decision because he didn't get asked is his point. So that was quite a comical little part of the cricket game. Well, before we talk Super Bowl, which is obviously why we're at the Piney for a big fundraiser today, uh, let's go through the cricket. Australia, easy winners last night. Maxwell, unbelievable. 120 off 55. Do you think that's a master class? Uh, yes, master class. I, oh, I think it's a freak show. Yeah, it, it, he, some he, of the shots he played were just wanna, amazing, aren't they? Imagine how long it would take you to learn to do that. It's taken him a long time, hasn't yeah. it? Because sometimes he's disappointed. And he, and his quote, with that we'll hear now, um, you know, he he's uh, now able to do it and feel very balanced in what we would find unbalanced positions. Yeah, well, we'll, ha- we'll have a chat to them in, a, in just a moment. I'll give you the facts, though. Four for 241 Australia from the 20 overs. This is Glenn Maxwell, 120 off 55, 12 fours, eight sixes, so 96 in boundaries. The Windies tried hard but couldn't get there. Nine for 207. Their skipper, Powell, uh, scored 63 of uh, 36. Andre Russell had a cameo, 37 of 16. Where did he bat? Midfield, yeah. Lower than midfield. He batted seven. That's yeah. ridiculous. But he's obviously selfish and will want, that's all he's batting at. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd have him at four, especially in a run chase like that. Yeah. So that is pathetic, the West Indies underuse him, like we have underused Tim David in the past. But they're slowly pushing him up behind Maxwell now too. Stoinis, 36, three for 36. Spencer Johnson, two for 39. Hazelwood, two for 31. What about this? That's good bowling. They're good yeah. bowling figures. Stoinis yeah. is becoming... Much more valuable with the ball than the bat. I'd like to see him just get his batting going. And what about the sixes for the match? I counted them up. Oh, 27. Wow. 27 sixes. So it was it was all of a team. Little old Adelaide Oval. And it's the, pretty big, don't worry. The other big news, the Aussies are now under-19 world champions yeah. as well. Same deal, beat India in the final. Tremendous effort to get to the 
final. I'm, I'm happy that they got to the final. That's yep. all you need to do in under-19s, not underachieve and come miss the semi-finals. I'll, I'll go semi-finals. That's good enough for me. Yep. And, and very often, Indians and Pakistanis are so wily and tricky from the, in that early age, you, you don't beat them. But that's it. That was a great effort, really good effort by the under-19s. And the Queenslanders did really well. Hugh Webkin, the, the captain... And Callum Vidler um, got wickets again, bowling at the top and very economical. Uh, you know, I'm hoping we'll see Callum Vidler play for Queensland in the next week or two. Yeah, he's quick, isn't he? Yes, he, he can hurry you up in the nets. Seven for 253, the Aussies, India 174. So we've won it by 79 runs. We're world champions in the under-19. Um, Marley Beardman uh, was our player of the match, taking mm. three for 15. So the Australian... Pace attack was uh, was cru- critical there. Yeah. They really rattled the the Indian batsmen. So great news. But yeah, look, everyone talking on, on, in the cricket front about Maxwell. Uh, he was just he was just unbelievable last night. And Maxwell on strike. His eyes in now, and he, his eyes rolling in. That's another big hit over mid wicket. Bowling quickly, and it comes off the bat just as quick. That's gone second tier. Bowling left arm loopy, orthodox. That was a bit crazy. He does load him up, and he backhands it if you like. Reverse sweep. This time he goes high. Does he go long? I think it's going to go over again. It's another six. Maxwell ninety. And he puts one over the top. He's 96. That's a big hit. He knows he's standing. And he slaps it wide. Mid-off. That's a boundary. That's 100. He raises his fist, takes the helmet off, waves to the crowd, waves to his teammates. It doesn't get better than that. You know how you said he hit, you know, 96 there. He's 120 in right. boundaries. He was buggered at the end. I know. And so those other blokes... As other blokes had faced 65 balls, if he faced 55, that adds up to the 120. Start hitting more boundaries, boys. I'm sick of running. He was buggered, <laughs> swinging for his own boundaries and running their shots. So, right. yeah, he, he was tired. All right, let's listen to Maxie the Magician after that wonderful innings. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, to be fair, I was real focused out there. I was pretty calm and just really clear the whole, felt like the whole way through the innings. I, Made a few mistakes probably early in the innings where I, I felt like I got balls that I could hit for boundaries and so I didn't quite place them. Probably tried to over overplay the ball a little bit too much and then once I sort of hit the gaps a couple of uh, hit, hit a couple out of the middle, I was able to sort of I suppose manipulate the field as much as I possibly could and um, yeah, I, I just gave myself a really good platform, which is something that I've, the recipe I suppose I've been trying to uh, give myself as much as I possibly can at international level. Oh, it's so good. You see the photo in the paper today. He's, it's, he's like a full-on baseball left-handed slugger. And that's incredible with a cricket bat. Uh, he obviously decided to target Andre Russell. Because Russell finished with none for 59 off his four. Yeah, so. but he was bowling rubbish. Yeah. He didn't have to target him. He was bowling him shin-high full tosses. Yeah, perfect bro. Yeah, and then he'd bowl a wide one, which he'd carve up, which is his great shot, the slicing carve. And, and then he'd, he'd just walk across and he'd get a half volley outside leg stump and he'd just flip it for six. Andre was – he got aggressive, but he should be aggressive at himself because that was poo. It's breakfast with Patton Heels on Monday the 12th of February. It's Super Bowl day. 
Uh, we're brought to you by Burbank Homes. They are the builder you can trust. You can bank on Burbank Homes. And Hyundai, the all-new Hyundai Kona N-Line is just brilliant. 131355 is that Suncorp Home Resilience Open Line if you'd like to join us this morning. Or you can text us, 0467 736 736. And we're at the famed Piney Hotel. Big fundraiser for Pancare today, Hills. We're supporting Pancare Foundation. They're here to help in life's toughest battles. Pancare Foundation are the light providing vital support for patients and family facing cancers. Now, I've been involved in this one. I've got a mate of mine who helps run the show here. Uh, they get a little bit rowdy as the as the day goes on. They, uh, they've got a big crowd. Well, I thought it was going to start bars. at 9. It starts at 10.30, the game, doesn't it? No, go, I've just been told that I think the, I'm pretty sure the game in Queensland now starts at 9.30. You were right. I was right. wrong. Um, <sighs> but... They, they'll gather here from around about seven onwards doing their best fundraising efforts. They have breakfast. There may have been a couple of light libations as we get closer to uh, game time, Budweiser's, etc. And they settle in for a long, long day of footy for uh, Super Bowl 58. Uh, we're we're going to be right across it. We've got ESPN's Laurie Horish. Uh, he's inside Allegiant Stadium. We'll, we'll speak to him and get his take on it. Uh, we're the first Australian to play in the Super Bowl. Ben Graham, Big Ben. We'll drop by after 7 o'clock for this Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers. And I think we might have Zorks. Who, I uh, Well, I mean, he just loves... Will he get off the couch American, first? I, I don't know. Surely they're training today, but uh, as you know, he loves his American sport. He training will find early. somewhere to be... Yeah, no, I'll be watching yeah, it Come live. on, coach, we'll train at 5. We yep. need to be home. Yep. Coach is thinking, geez, the boys are keen today. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it's Super Bowl day. Hey, the other big news, Hilton, you and I are just sort of wondering about this one. But good news in basketball for the Bullets. They got the win. Nathan Sobey blew them away. Ooh. But from Brazil overnight, Lauren Jackson, the ledge, four-time Olympic medalist for Australia, she's announced her international retirement. This came mm-hmm. after the Aussies qualified for Paris with a, a trouncing, an 85-52 win over Germany. But the 42-year-old, virtually straight after the match, she said, well, Brazil has been so kind to me over the years. I've done a lot of big things that have happened to me. It's fitting that I announce my international retirement. I mean, she basically... thinking, Lauren? Yeah, what she the hell are you thinking? Gave it away in 2016 with a lot of pain, a lot of injury, mm. but came back. Yeah. And we, we know that she's been on the medicinal cannabis, isn't she? She's a, a big advocate for that. It's, it's helped her a lot in her fight back. But, yeah, look, it's, it's sort of come out of the blue and it's, it's blindsided a few of our observers today Did saying it? that, yeah, she's, a, she's announced retirement. And you and I were chatting pre-show. Surely, as we head into the Olympics in Paris, just having someone of that gravitas around the team would be phenomenal for them, I would have thought. Yes, I would have thought too. And I, I felt that in the lead-up to the German game and then the Brazil game. Yeah. You know, to ha- just have her on the bench, say, no, you're on, you're on, you get, keep it going, yeah, it'll come good. That type of sort of confidence and security of information to go with Sandy Brondello and her coaching staff. So, yeah, the, oh, let's hope they could take it to Paris. That's a fair income uh, qualification, isn't it, in the FIBA? Better than the soccer. Like, there's, we qualify through Asia in soccer, don't we? Yeah. Now, but in basketball, you qualify against everyone. Yeah. So we've got it sealed up with that big win over Germany. But the big news this morning is that Lauren Jackson won't be there for the Olympic campaign. She's pulled the pin. 
on her international career. As I said, you can join us on the text line, 0467 736 736. That's exactly what Icarus has done from Atherton. Always up early. Morning, men and Vanessa. Uh, read the NRL. I hope I'm not going the early crow, but besides a few hiccups in the run-up to this season, uh, there's been mainly about feel-good stories. Yes, they've been on their best behaviour, Icarus. I've got to agree. And the one in the paper yesterday about Aaron Woods, uh, you know, on a relative pittance compared to uh, what a lot of players are making, he's giving back to the young fellas at Manly Warringah. So uh, have a good week. Yeah, it was a, it was a good feel-good story. I, w- yeah, I wonder why he's allowed to be on such little money. Yeah, I know, given he's... Yeah, a representative career. Yeah, so is there a tipping point where you could come? You come down, you lose your origin value and your representative price tag that's on your head, and you're allowed to do that. Are there many, many more older players that are willing to do that but haven't been able to in the past? Is it a new thing? You know, like fifteen hundred bucks a week or something. He was on a eighty grand and happy to play. Uh, <laughs> here's Brett. Uh, morning, Pat and Ian. Uh, Stoinis' batting has reached an all-time low, in my opinion. Glenn Maxwell said the pitch was a great batting wicket, yet Stoinis looked hopeless. Uh, and is SDN the biggest influencer? Cuzzy, is he appearing at the Pineapple today? We don't know if Cuz is on the oh. road or coming into the Pineapple today. It's not really an... Uh, this one's a sort of a, a, a paid affair, so it's not for the general public just to wander in uh, this morning. But... Uh, we're, we're, as I said, we're here raising money for a, a fabulous foundation, the Pancare Foundation. Uh, they help in life's toughest battles. Pancare, they're the light providing vital support for patients and families facing cancers. I don't know whether we've got Vanessa. Have we got Vanessa in the studio? Yes. Are we having Good a morning. Oh, are you there? Hello. Good morning. We're on the road. We're at the Pineapple Hotel I know. at uh, 6.15 in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Probably what the a... earliest I've been at a hotel, I been think. What a place to be. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look. Well, what, what's going on? Today, I come with a bit of a warning for South East Queensland that our Chief Health Officer has put out. We've mentioned before how we've seen a bit of an explosion lately of mosquitoes, uh, how they've been really affecting us when we head outside, especially in the, at dusk. Um, but they're now saying there's been a really high number of Ross River virus detections in mosquitoes. So they do regular testing of mosquitoes at certain traps across Queensland. And they're saying it's really high this year. And so really our best defence is to stop ourselves from getting bitten because there's no cure or there's no vaccine for Ross River virus. And we're seeing that the detection at the moment is higher than what they saw in the 2019 to 2020 summer. And that led to about three and a half thousand Ross River infections in Queensland. So look, really that warning is out there. Just either avoid going outside at those times when the mosquitoes are really active or wear the, um, the really strong kind of rid and protection, have mosquitoes screens on your home just to really avoid those bites because Ross River can be really nasty and really, um, you know, lead to lots of um, symptoms like joint pain and fatigue for months after you get infected. So good good warning. That is the warning today. Now, when you think back to primary school, what was one of your favourite sandwiches in your lunchbox? I was a big egg and lettuce man. I wasn't. And I didn't have my first egg sandwich till I was on a golf course at about 35 years old. You're kidding. They're not bad, are they? Not bad. <laughs> sort, of, sort of deprived childhood wow. of you. Yeah, well, that one. That sort of. That, that sort of one. At least I didn't know I was being deprived. Uh, what was I? I think I was, no, basic. Pretty basic. Just the regulars. Yeah, well. Like high school. High school, Vanessa. Yeah. Cheese, cheese and marmalade. 
Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good combo. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's, that's a winning combo. Look, well, Ooh. look, the reason I bring it up is that a um, school in WA has actually made a bit of a controversial call saying we're banning the ham and cheese toasty, which is a pretty stock standard nah, common wow. lunch, I would think. It's, it's yes, a drunk. sandwich my kids take all the time. <laughs> um, but as we know, and this has happened in Queensland too, they're colour-coding our tuck shops where, you know, red food is just for one day a term. That's for special occasions. You've got your orange food and then your green food, which they're really pushing. Um, so they're putting the ham and cheese toasty. Pre- uh, previously it was rated green, but they're putting it in amber and so saying it's off the menu uh, except for just two days a week. So they're just really restricting it. Um, so it's caused a bit of a stir because it is quite a staple in our lunchboxes at the moment. And why? Why has it become amber? Well, it's because of the um, high salt and fat contents. Oh, so. Fat content? What, the cheese? Yeah, I think I'd so. Well, I'll be taking the kids out of school. <laughs> very, very quickly. Straight to uni. Do we, do we have a Tay-Tay update? <laughs> oh, look, well, there are reporters there saying it's a done deal. Kelsey is going to be following her on tour. There's been a few hints, apparently, from his mum insiders, as we we know, they always like to come out and and make big claims. Um, So, look, she's there supporting him. Will he be down under supporting her? That's what it's looking like, but no confirmation. What about the actors, the actor awards, Vanessa? Mm. You would have seen the trailblazer, Margot Robbie. She got everything. And yeah. the fashion? What about the fashion? Oh, yeah. Some, Patty, some did you notice pretty nice. Any? Yeah, I saw well, a few. Margot had an off-the-shoulder. Oh, well done. Well done. <laughs> she looked lovely, didn't yeah. she? It's Look, an I, off-the-shoulder bustier gown. I have to say my husband was at those awards on the weekend. Oh, okay. However, my invite somehow got lost in the mail. Yeah, funny about that. Yes. I, I wasn't too impressed. <laughs> hey, we, we'll, we'll talk to you a little later on in the show. Thanks for that. We've got to get to a break, Vanessa. Always lovely. See Monday ya. morning. We'll, we'll get to a break. Thanks for joining us. Hey, um, the open line is open, 13 13 55, or that text line. We've got quite a few texts. We'll run through them after this. 0467 736 736. Great friends of the show for the first time this year. He's not, he's not just worried about footy these days. I heard he's playing cricket. I know he loves his golf. He'll be watching all this NFL action, getting ready yeah. for the Super Bowl. Dane Zorko, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Heels. Good to be back. So now, they're, they're just calling you strike rate now. That's what they're doing. <laughs> 230. Yeah. Hey, yeah, 54 not too bad. 23. Uh, all in a day's work, Heels. That's all it was. <laughs> Where's your scoring zones, mate? Like Maxwell 360 <laughs> or you got rare and definite ones? Uh, no, that day it would have been 360. Bid uh, wicket was a real flavour for me. And um, obviously playing a lot of indoor cricket growing up, straight was right up my alley as well. Oh, ah. Risky. Risky and indoor, but you have to hit a six somehow, don't you? Now, tell me that uh, Coach Fagan hasn't got training on this morning. Uh, he certainly does. I've actually just pulled over. I'm just on my way there. I'm about three and a half kilometres short of the venue. So, uh, yeah, we're, we'll be on this morning. So, looking forward to it and then into the Super Bowl. Oh, so, you will get time to watch the game. Yeah, well, we're, 
Well, obviously coming to the end of the preseason for us, given that we've started, we're starting the season so early. So uh, this week will be, I'd say, probably our last week of um, intense training, and then we obviously have an intra-club match on Friday, uh, and then we play the Gold Coast next week, and then into Sydney, and then before you know it, we got round zero. So. Um, today will just be a lighter run for us, get the legs ticking over again after Friday's game, and uh, hopefully we'll be just inside for kickoff. So you're one of the elder statesmen in the game, Zorks. Um, pre-season games, do they interest you or do you need them or not? I think it's always interesting to find out where you are. Um, every year, I think, as a player, it's only normal to have doubts whether or not you can still do it, um, yeah. even at the ripe old age of 35. So... Um, it is always nice to get out there and um, challenge yourself and implement, you know, the things that you've worked really hard on over pre-season. So I'm certainly no different to that. Uh, we had a little hit out on Friday and um, was, yeah, really happy with how all the boys went, how I pulled through uh, the game as well. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, uh, really pleasing um, from, from my side of the fence. But I think, yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, you train so hard during the pre-season, you do want to play games some point and um, we pulled them back as long as we possibly can this year and we've had our first first one on Friday and, and everyone's pulled through really well. Nice. Hey, a couple of points out of that. Zorks Darcy Gardner went forward, kicked three and draftee Logan Morris impressed he kicked four. Yeah, yeah. Four, maybe five even. So, uh, yeah, he looks a, a super talent. Um, all, the, all the draftees we picked up this year uh, minus Reese Torrent, um, all played on the on Friday and and did a fantastic job. We've seen their development already in only you know a short amount of time, and uh, Logan has been an absolute standout in that area. And he put it into practice on on Friday. I mean, he was playing on no slouch in Harris Andrews, so um, <laughs> to, to go down there and kick, kick some good goals. Uh, um, very exciting prospect there for the uh, the future for the Brisbane Lions. Wow. Where have we got him from? Uh, he's a Victorian, Victorian boy, um, and has fit in really well. I mean, you know, you're always weary of that homesickness sort of factor, but um, he's come up and, um, yeah, I think has just fit in so well. He's got a little bit of X factor about him as well. A uh, little bit of spunk, so uh, yeah, he's an exciting, mm. an exciting prospect for our future, no doubt about that. Hey, Zox, where where are we at with uh, Will Ashcroft? Uh, yeah, he's progressing really well. Uh, he's bouncing around on his toes. Um, you know, Will is always the ultimate professional and is trying to push himself to get back as quickly as possible. Still, don't know what the return date looks like for him, but um, I know he's really, you know, dedicated and looking, you know, immaculate, in immaculate condition at the moment. Um, change of direction stuff, I'd imagine, wouldn't be too far away for him, but his straight line running and his fitness work um, looks outstanding. He looks like he's lost uh, or he's slimmed down as well. He looks quite trim up top. So, wow. uh, yeah, pretty exciting for us. All right, let's ask the obvious question because it'll be preoccupying your time today. You just love Super Bowl. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it'll be tight. I think it's definitely going to be tight. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's going to be high scoring. I could be completely off with that, but uh, I like Kansas City. I just think they've come through the harder side of the draw. Um, you can't, you know, beat experience in games like this. And um, when you've got a QB like Patrick Mahomes in your side, 
who's been there, done it before a couple of times. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really hard for, for the 49ers to knock them off today. But, you know, you look at the other side of the fence and you've got guys like Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and just powerhouses all around the park. George Kittle's another. Um, and then Brock Purdy, every time he's been challenged, he stood up um, as the quarterback for the 49ers. So, yeah, interesting matchup. I like both teams, but uh, I'm certainly in the Kansas City uh, Chiefs side of things today. You know when the scrimmage is down, Zorks, where does your eye go to? Someone who knows the game really well, what where, what do you find yourself looking at? Oh, just the positioning of, you know, how they're going to get themselves out of trouble. I, I like the tight ends and, and what they can actually provide for the okay. quarterbacks in these in in these sort of matches. I think they're a real bailout for, you know, all quarterbacks. Wide receivers are, and sometimes when you're rushing games down, you need your bigger guys to stand up, and you've seen it on both sides of the field for both these teams. In George Kittle for the 49ers, and obviously Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift's man, uh, he's bailed the 49 uh, the Kansas City Chiefs out for ages. So, for mine, I think the game could be potentially won and lost in that department um, if Kelsey and Mahomes can get their relationship, you know, blossoming like they always seem to do in these big games. Well, could be curtains for the 49ers, but on the same same field, you know, you got Purdy and Kittle who formed a really great relationship this season and just look like they're getting stronger and so- stronger each game. So, yeah, that's where I, my eye will be turning to. All right. Uh, Zorks, lovely to hear you, Dulcet Tones, back on SEN, uh, great friend of the show. Best <laughs> of luck. Uh, enjoyed training this morning. And you've got your big fan fest on Friday, haven't you, uh, at Brighton Homes Arena? Yeah, we certainly do. It's going to be great. Um, obviously, we've got a big intra-club as well. I think it's 4.25, so get out there, come down, support us, and uh, meet a couple of players as well. Good yeah. stuff. Thanks, Zorks. Thanks, Zorks. Beautiful. Good luck, boys. All what right. was it before Super Bowl? What was it called? Just the know. premiership? Ben Graham might know. Um, he's <laughs> SEN's NFL expert, first Australian to play Super Bowl in 2009, and he's part of the commentary team getting ready from 9 o'clock this morning, Queensland time. Ben, uh, you are the busiest man in the world doing crosses with every Australian media outlet. We appreciate your time. Oh, no worries, Paddy. And Heels, yes, coming to you live from Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas. It's been a wonderful week and a build-up. I tell you what, this city knows how to put on a party, but it's about to put on its first Super Bowl. We know it can put up big events like the Grand Prix and the boxing, but this is the biggest sporting event on the planet right now, guys. I'm privileged and humbled to be a part of it, to call a game with Jared and Larry Fitzgerald Sr. We're only hours away. The teams have arrived. Taylor Swift hasn't arrived yet, but let's just stick to football, eh? <laughs> No, you got to do both, mate. you got to do both. Hey, what's Jared like? Is he sort of having the persona of a Richie Benno getting you together and sort of uh, picking everyone's brains and what where we're going to go with this game? <laughs> well, yes. I mean, we know how professional and studied yes. Jared is. doesn't matter what sport, but he loves the NFL. He just loves the flow of the game and the ability to call it. But I'll tell you what Jared's done this Super Bowl, which he hasn't really done in the last couple I've called with him, is he's actually lived it up a little in yes, Las Vegas. I know. He's been to ice hockey games. He's been to concerts. He went and saw David Copperfield. Uh, he's, he's really enjoying himself. And the only <laughs> thing he's lost in Las Vegas this week is his dry cleaning. Oh. So, Jared, <laughs> we know. We know that. Yeah, they found it. They found it. But, uh, right. no, he, um, we, he's been starring on Radio Row throughout the week because he knows exactly who he wants to talk to. And I tell you what, there are broadcasters around the world that want to talk to Jared because they've known him 
uh, and he's standing in Australian radio. Yes, they love his turn of phrase, Paddy. Yeah. They really love it. He's, he's brilliant. But don't worry, we had him on the show last week. Uh, ben and uh, it was like sitting at someone's place for a slideshow night. I mean, he, he went he went through his every day of what he's done in Vegas just to make every one of us and our listeners jealous. Well, I think that's part what we have to do because this is truly a bucket list item. And I know that you know we, it's hard. I mean, it's loud here right now, but it's hard to bring the atmosphere through the radio speakers, but. The locals last night were telling me that this is the biggest and busiest day that they've ever seen in Vegas. Now, they've held some huge events here before, but there are hundreds of thousands of people walking the street with not only Chiefs and 49ers jerseys on, but every single team is represented. Now, the stadium at the moment's about half full, but it's electric. The week has been awesome. And, you know, if you're jealous, great. If you can afford it, we'll see you next year in New Orleans. Yeah. You know, talk us through the week. Can Australian sport learn much from the week that's been, all the events and the trade show? And I saw Wilson footies getting made. It's so good. Oh, it is unbelievable. Look, I don't think you can. I mean, it's a big country, 300 million people, but there are people that come to Super Bowl week just to experience it. The NFL fan experience. Think of the size of the MCG. That's how big the Mandalay Bay Convention Centre is. It is activations yeah. like you wouldn't believe. But in a city like Vegas, it's more than just football. It's the party. There's the ice hockey where it lived golf yesterday. You two at the Sphere, which I can actually see through the, the glass end zone in the backdrop of Vegas. It's, so, it's such a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful stadium and a beautiful city. But of course... There are people in Vegas that wouldn't even know the Super Bowl was on. They're just getting wrapped up in what is a fantastic week. When you say that, can the AFL or NRL replicate it? I mean, the grand final of the AFL is played at the MCG. They try their best, the AFL, but it's never going to be as big as, as what it is here at the Super Bowl. All right, as I said, you are the busiest man in the world today, so you better give us your thoughts on the game, the 49ers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, well, great matchup. What we've seen all year is the best team versus the best player. So it is a team sport, and the 49ers are favourites for a reason. Brock Purdy's had some unfair criticism levelled at him as being a game manager, but he's won the game himself in the second half of the two playoff games. I think the most important person, though, for the 49ers is Christian McCaffrey. Now, Christian McCaffrey won the Offensive Player of the Year. He led the rushing title. And there's no father and son rule in the NFL, but his dad's won three Super Bowl rings, so it could be the first father and son combination, and they're well coached by Kyle Shanahan. And if they win, it'll be the first father and son to win as coaches in the NFL. They're the better team, but the best player on the field is Patrick Mahomes. We know it elevates when it gets to the playoffs. I'd trust the ball with my life with, with the ball in his hands. He's that He's that good, especially in big games. Travis Kelsey's a superstar, as we know. This is the best Chiefs defense that Patrick Mahomes has played with. And an important role today for Isaiah Pacheco, the running back for the, for the Chiefs, who there's been some vulnerabilities with the 49ers defense. So might look to see him with yards after the catch. He's such an angry runner. Look forward to watching him play. All said oh. and done, though, guys. I think that the Chiefs can upset. They've played the villains all week. No one wanted to see the Chiefs come back to another Super Bowl. 
you know, those that aren't Chiefs fans probably are no longer Taylor Swift fans. I don't know. But I'm going the <laughs> underdog. I'm going the Chiefs. You know what? I'm even going to predict an overtime game. 27-24 in overtime. I think the Chiefs win and it just continues to add to Patrick Mahomes' legacy. Well, but if the classy um, San Francisco team get up, so will an Aussie. How's the boom and onion going? Um, Wisnowski, and have you had any contact with him over the time? Uh, no, not really. Um, he has joined a, a, a little fraternity of Australians that have played in a Super Bowl back in Super Bowl 54. So we know that he's been here before. He's the first Australian to play in two Super Bowls. Yep. Uh, privileged to be the first Australian to play in a Super Bowl, but he could break history today by being the first Australian to win a Super Bowl ring, and that's going to be huge for Australia. We know that last year we saw two Aussies playing for the Eagles, and so it's only the four of us that have played, but I'm sure there'll be more to come based on the number of Aussie boys in college and through the International Pathway Program. Patrick Murtar uh, is in that again this year, but yeah, it, it'll be huge if the 49ers can get up and Mitch Wisnowski can get that elusive Super Bowl winning ring. Great stuff, Ben. Hey, you're a, as I said, you're very busy today. We really appreciate your time. Enjoy the call with Jared and the team, and uh, we can't wait to be listening after 9 o'clock Queensland time. Thanks, Ben. No. Yes. Thanks, guys. Big crowd starting to gather here at the famed Piney. But there's a big crowd gathering in Vegas too for Super Bowl 58. Among them, the bloke with the best job in the world. AFL great Corey McKernan. He's been to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. He's slipped across <laughs> to Vegas now, mate. Uh, Corey, good morning to you. Thanks for answering the phone. I know you're a busy man this morning like Ben Graham. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's all all happening here at the moment. Yeah, just just enjoying the, the pre-game function and, um, yeah, very very, very excited about what lays ahead this afternoon. What is the sort of magnitude of that function you're at, the pre-game function, and how big's your group this year, mate, that you've got over there? Well, we, we had a small group, Heels, and uh, this will give you an idea of what Vegas does to you. Mark Tobin, who's a, who's a mate of mine from Solomon Transport, he, uh, he actually got remarried last night, so that probably sums it up yes. and uh, says how things are going in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Good and, stuff. And has he annulled it this morning or was it real? <laughs> no, it's, it was the real deal with his uh, lovely lovely wife, uh, Fiona. So, no, it was all... Uh, but by the way, Hills, he might have been making up for the night before. So we did, we did <laughs> say it was lucky we did have an unofficial Bucks night the night before, didn't we? Oh, good stuff. <laughs> hey, well, first things first, you went to the Waste Management Phoenix Open. It's still going on. Charlie Hoffman's and Nick Taylor, the Canada the Canadian, are leading at 17-under at the moment. It's been rain-interrupted, but it's been pretty controversial, um, Corey. A lot of misbehaviour with the alcohol over there, and they had to turn the grog off at some point. Some of these fans, and I know they get 700,000 to this event, uh, some of these fans have gone over the top this time. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a uh, balanced, boys. Like, I, yeah, look, I do get that everyone gets into the, the fest, like the spirit of going to the golf, and it is such a, I don't know, I think for a lot of those golf fans in Phoenix, it's a real bright, you know, I mean, a, a brighter passageway. And uh, I don't know, like, I'm all for having a good time and, and, and that sort of stuff. But, yeah, I think it, it, it does go a little bit far. Some of the 
the condition of uh, people walking out of the the waste management. Um, yeah, I don't, let's let's just, let's just say there's not a lot of uh, responsible serving of alcohol going on. Yeah, they've got to get some standards about them and security to just kick you out with one bad comment, one bad loudmouth coming. Anyway, hey mate. Um, you know, this, this game, the Super Bowl game to me is like the class of San Francisco 49ers against the experience of the Kansas City Chiefs. Would that be right? Yeah, it very much is. But look, I, I probably, for, you know, I mean, the non fans out there, I, I sort of look at today's game like this, but it's nearly gotten to the point with Patrick Mahomes that you nearly, he's nearly in the same category as Tom Brady that you just mm. don't want to bet against him. And I don't know, as much as the Niners have got a really a really balanced team across the board. Um, sorry, boys, I think there's a band about to go marching by me at the moment. Um, <laughs> as, as much as the Niners, have, uh, the Niners have actually got balance on both sides of the ball, I just feel like that class of Patrick Mahomes and, and stands up at the big moments like a Tom Brady would that I, know, I find it really hard to bet against him as much as mm. I'd like the Niners to win, but... I don't know. I think it'll be a really close game, and I, I think Mahomes will start to really cement his uh, legacy and put it, and start to put him in the conversation with the greats of the best players have ever played the game. Hey, we know your involvement in big time sports and taking tours away and things like that. How big has Super Bowl become in the last decade or so, as far as Australians go? Yeah, well, it was interesting. Um, I reckon about 10 years ago, I first started doing my Super Bowl parties in uh, in Melbourne. And, and even then, they were a little bit rare. It was probably a little bit boutique. Um, over the years, I've bought like a few players out. Um, but yeah, it seems like everywhere has really latched on to the fact that, um, yeah, I mean, Super Bowl is such a huge event. Um, so I don't know whether it's just the Australian I mean, it's a little bit cynical. I think the Aussies, if, if we have any excuse to have a day off and go down the pub and watch a sports <laughs> event, I think it's uh, mate, there'd be there'd be a few sickies uh, going on today. But uh, look, it's um, look even the difference in price to give you an idea. Like ten years ago, with the package that we were getting for our clients, we were actually on the field after the game for what we're paying now, and now we're we're basically sitting up in the nosebleed. So. It just goes to show um, like how far that market has actually moved and, yeah, what the prices actually get you now compared to 10 years ago. Yeah, I see Travis Kelty has actually paid for the box where Taylor Swift and families and friends are going to be, and it's cost him about $2 million Australian. Holy. Yeah, I, I, look, it's, um, some of those corporate suites and what they're, what they're actually going through is, is out of this world. It's... Uh, like I said, the, the, the explosion in the numbers in terms of the price to actually get to the Super Bowl is actually... I don't know where it goes, boys. Like, I, I, yeah, I fear that it's, uh, it's going to get really, really expensive. And, yeah, if, I know in the AFL and the NRL, sometimes the fans lament the fact that uh, they can't get to the biggest sporting event. Well, imagine if you're a Chiefs fan that sits in the snow for the whole year knowing yeah. that you pretty much can't go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's that's not good. Hey, um, this Coach Reed, you know, this if he has a win here, will cement him as one of the greats of the coaching world, won't it? Yeah, it definitely will. It was funny with Andy Reid a number of years ago. He was at the Eagles, 
he was he, he, at first he sort of nearly became that coach that was a bit of nearly like he was he was sort yes. of on the cusp of being a really good coach but now with that relationship you know i mean with it's like a belichick and brady and now it's become this great relationship with Holmes and andy reed and I oh know, boys. Pretty excited about the uh, the game today and, and see how it unfolds. I, I think if the Niners are going to win this game, they really need uh, Christian McCaffrey, who's their running back, number 23. So just keep an eye out for him. I think that if he basically has to be their MVP today, I think if they're going to win the game, I don't mm. think it's going to come from Brock Purdy. He's, I know he gets a bit of criticism about being a game manager, um, but I think it's the other players for the 49ers that I'm looking at Christian McCaffrey, again, I'm not advocating having a bet, but if you want to do the MVP for the Super Bowl, I think you might be a good bet. Good stuff. Hey, Corey, wonderful to chat. We're very, very jealous of your life around this time of the year. You've been at the golf. I'll keep you up to date with the golf scores as well. But, uh, yeah, brilliant as usual to chat, mate. Enjoy the day. Thanks, Corey. I will do. No worries, boys. See you. Healed something very special on the show right now. We've got ESPN's Laurie Horace joining us. From Vegas, it's yeah. getting closer, the big game. Laurie, good morning to you. Well, good morning uh, in Australia. Uh, thanks for joining us. This is exciting, isn't it? I have to say that I'm standing here on about the 400 level um, at Allegiant Stadium, looking down on the field. It is an absolute picture. This stadium is uh, truly a marvel. I've been lucky enough to get to a few football stadiums, big stadiums in, in the United States before, and this one is an absolute vision. So... The energy's building. The music you can probably hear a little in the background, uh, but it is it is some day, and I think um, we're all in for something very, very special when these two teams take the field. Hey, Laurie, from the outside, how many stories are above the ground, and how many below the ground of Allegiant? Oh, that's a really good question. I believe they've just got the lower tier, like the lower bowl. It would be below the ground. Just looking, I'm yes. looking out through the windows now, just trying to gauge that. Um, and then I think once you get to the 200 and 300 levels here, you're back above the entry level. But it is something you consistently do see um, with American stadiums. I know, I know with Jerry World in in Arlington in Texas, um, that was what it was a very weird, um, a weird feeling the first time I walked in there. You walk in through doors, and then all of a sudden you're getting pointed downstairs. But it does create an amazing atmosphere. And, I think, I mean, the, the day, it has been freezing cold, I will say, uh, in Las Vegas all week, something that uh, my soft Sydney-side attendances um, aren't used to. Uh, but it's, uh, it's an absolute picture out there. You can see the mountains, snow-capped mountains in the distance, and um, it's a blue sky out there. And I think uh, whilst this is an indoor stadium, so it ain't worry about weather, uh, it's all set up for, um, for, for quite an atmosphere. And, and look, someone, we're either getting legacies made or legacies even built more with, uh, with Kansas City Chiefs with the 49ers. We're getting... The narrative that Kyle Shanahan and co. can't get over the final hump. We're getting that flipped on its head. Yes. Hey, with all the narratives around, I'll talk about Taylor Swift in a moment, but I see that the the 49ers are sort of claiming underdog status. They said that there seems to be some sort of conspiracy theories that they were given a substandard training field. They even had a fire alarm at their hotel at 6 o'clock in the morning. They're saying that was set up as well. Oh, I mean, every week in Super Bowl week, we do hear stories like that. And, you know, someone's trying to do something underhanded. I know the Philadelphia Eagles felt they had some some um, adversity to overcome in their setup last year in the Super Bowl. Um, I don't think there's a conspiracy theory. I think people can dive into that all, all they want. But as for the 49ers claiming underdog status, last I checked at the, uh, at the bookies across the, uh, across the board, the 
the 49ers were slight favourites, you know, two-point favourites, maybe one and a half points, depending where you're seeing it. But I think this one, it, it's so evenly poised. It's not going to be something that, you know, a couple of uh, soggy training paddocks or whatever it was that um, is going to prove the distance here. But I think we've got two very balanced, very talented teams that can take the ball away on defence and that can beat you in different ways on offence. And I, when you're looking at two talented teams, very aggressive in nature as well, very creative in terms of the coaching and the game calling, I think it could be some fundamentals that's going to be the decisive factor here. And I don't like to be to, to limit it down to something tiny, but I, I really do think when we look at things like tackling and limiting big plays when ball players have the ball in their hand, that's going to be crucial because there's so much talent on the field uh, at the receiver spot and the running back spot for both teams. Yeah, there's good pressure on, that's for sure. The public sentiment seems to be with the San Francisco 49ers. Is that heartfelt or respect for the, for the Chiefs? Oh, look, I think, you know, whenever you, what is it, um, you know, you can be the hero or you, you stay, stay around long enough to become the villain and with the Kansas City Chiefs, this much yes. success has, has naturally turned some public sentiment against them. It's, we see it with dynasties, you know, throughout the NFL. We saw it with the Patriots. We saw it with Dallas Cowboys. We've seen it with Steelers. These types of dynasties tend to turn public sentiment. People like something fresh and something new. And, and obviously Brock Purdy, you know, this is someone who was the last pick in his draft, Mr. Irrelevant. We know all of that. Kyle Shanahan, who is such a gifted offensive mind, but in some ways a bit of a, not a tragic figure, but a pointed figure in terms of coming up short. He was obviously the offensive coordinator in the 28-3 collapse for the Atlanta Falcons. But I do think public sentiment's there, and I think the crowd will probably be a little towards the 49ers. It was four years ago in Miami, probably at 60-40. But those those Chiefs fans can go above uh, their build number. Um, it helps, uh, I know, four years ago when they had Eric Stone Street getting on camera revenue mark. Uh, but I do think that the uh, the crowd will probably lean, at least my experience this week, opening night and walking the street. And there's a little more 49er uh, uniforms out there in the crowd than cheap. Hey, Lord, give us your take on the Mahomes-Kelsey combination. It's been lethal, particularly in the postseason. Oh, it's, it's, it's quite simply one of the greatest one-two punches in in the history of the NFL, you know, Travis Kelsey has an innate ability to not just beat his man one-on-one and whatever the route's called, but when Patrick Holmes does go into scramble mode, as he's known to do, uh, Travis Kelsey has a fantastic ability to feel for where the open spot is in the, in the defense, settle into an area and create some chunk plays between him and Mayama Holmes. They have an innate connection. They see the game very similarly. Perhaps Travis Kelsey's um, pass as a quarterback, you know, prior to playing quarterback at the junior level of football, Maybe that helps how he sees the field and how he connects with what Patrick Holmes sees out there. But they are one of the greatest tandems we've seen in the NFL, and particularly in the postseason. They don't shy away from the big moments. And you know, we've seen what Kelsey's done in recent weeks, despite the fact that we were questioning if he'd gone past his prime during the regular season. And then for, for Mahomes, he's now played 17 postseason games. His record in those postseason games is 14 and 3. He's thrown almost 40, I think, over 4,800 yards in those 17 games, 39 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. That's an MVP season out of 17 games in his postseason career against the best teams in the NFL. That's all you need to know about the tier these guys are able to go to at the biggest stage. You mentioned Carl Shanahan. Give it, it, that's a, one of the great matchups. Andy Reid and he. Um, will versatility be needed in here? Will, will they need to make some pretty big changes at times or will their you know, normal game style suffice? I think for Kyle Shanahan, I hope, and I know, I mean, Kyle Shanahan's forgotten more about football than most of us will ever know, but 
they would have had a really good look at what the Baltimore Ravens did and tried to do the opposite. The Baltimore Ravens went away from the run game despite being in that contest, despite being a very talented running team. San Francisco 49ers, also a very talented running running attack. They rank in the top three, top five in most rushing statistics as a team. Mm-hmm. What the Baltimore Ravens did, getting one-dimensional, dropping back and trying to send passes deep against a Steve Spagnuolo defense that likes to tee off and get creative with their blitzes. So sending lots of bodies after the quarterback. The 49ers just do a need to avoid that trap. But Kyle Shanahan, as long as they just have maintained balance, as long as they, if they can get that run game going early and then build the passing attack off that and keep there's an old line from uh, from one of the Mighty Ducks movies, you know, learning how to play two-way hockey, playing two-way football, keeping that, that very aggressive and talented Kansas City Chiefs defense on their toes or on their heels a little bit, not knowing exactly what's coming, avoiding one-dimensional football. Uh, that's going to be massive for Kyle Shanahan. And look, for him, it's, it's actually interesting because he's kind of where Andy Reid was when Andy Reid finished up with the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the most gifted offensive minds, honestly seen as one of the game-changing offensive thinkers in the NFL. And yet... Randy Reid in, in Philadelphia he was unable to get over the hump. I mean, that Super Bowl, what he's done in Kansas City Chiefs, changed his narrative. And now Kyle Shanahan in a similar spot where Reid was, you know, a decade or so ago, uh, but another chance to to change that narrative and, and earn Super Bowl victory just like his father did. Uh, you knew the question was coming. Can we give, uh, can, just before we leave you, can you give us a Tay-Tay update? <laughs> well, I just want to give some credit to Taylor Swift. I mean, whether you're a big fan of her music or not, all the graphs, all the images, all the maps that people were drawing up on social media, oh, she'll need to leave at this time and this time she'll need to get this connecting flight. She beat the mark by hours and hours and hours. I think she beat it by about eight hours on what we might have thought the arrival time was. So credit to her. You know, that's a, that's a um, you know, that's swift by uh, name, swift by nature. Um, so she'll be here. Um, I'm sure she'll be on screen. Um, I think the mark I saw around the traps was over uh, under seven and a half Taylor. Uh, the Swift appearances on screen. I like the under on that a bit. I think, I think, you know, going to eight, two Taylor Swift shots per quarter, I think that's a little rich, particularly because with these two deep, I think these two offenses, we know what San Francisco can do when they get that, when they get on a roll. And, and look at what Kansas City did when they were protecting Patrick Mahomes in the first half against Baltimore. Really long drives. So if you think that, you know, during this game, there's going to be a quarter where, the San Francisco 49ers put together a 12-play, nine-minute drive. That's a long stretch to not be cutting away to Taylor Swift because we're not <laughs> yeah. getting cutaways there when George Kittle picked up a first down. <laughs> well, well, uh, they, if they're going well, she's on. If they're going really bad, she'll be on. And if it's really tight, she'll be on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Laurie, brilliant to chat. Uh, can't wait for this game. I mean, back in Australia, it's generated uh, massive interest it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger globally doesn't it every year it absolutely does i think in australia we think days off right days off the people take on the working day we know a lot about sporting events happen on weekend but you think about the melbourne cup on a tuesday that people take off from work and and super bowl monday has has become one of the biggest i, I think it may be the, is it the second biggest day off that people take from work and, um to to you know head to the pub and you know maybe there's a corporate event maybe you're just meeting up with with your friends to watch the game, but it grows bigger and bigger every year. And for all this talk about Taylor Swift and history and all that, look, you've got a chance to be part of history if you tune into this game because I think it's a very, very good chance that we're seeing a record-breaking uh, audience tune into this one in America and around the world. Righto, Laurie. Who are you tipping? I am going with the Kansas City Chiefs here, 26-20 my pick. I see, I see uh, a good offense performance, but enough flash players from the defense to stall out some drives there. Um, and I, I, I'm leaning towards Kansas City because I think they have a better quarterback. I think they have a more 
more solid offensive line across the board, especially where they've been protecting Patrick Mahomes the last month or so. And I prefer their defense um, and the, the impact players they have at all three levels um, compared to San Francisco, which I think have shown some issues defending the run. We'll see if Kansas City can exploit that. Brilliant. From ESPN, Laurie Horst. Laurie, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks, Laurie. An, an absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. As we've said, we're here at the Pineapple. We're on location today. Big crowd, mainly an IT crowd joining us. So uh, they'll be very generous. And I know and this young lady will appreciate their generosity. She's coming off a birthday heels, is Yay. Sheena Delaney from Pancare. Uh, and apparently there was a few celebrations last night. Uh, good morning, Sheena. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Happy uh, birthday. Thank you again. Oh, really? <laughs> it's, called, it's called Sheena Wary. <laughs> yeah, the festival of Sheena, eh? Yeah, well, this is a festival. They're starting to hype up your yeah, crowd today. It's a great crowd. Yeah, and is there a connection with IT? Uh, no, just um, Paul McDowell from Simons, um, a friend of his, uh, had a, um, uh, an issue with um, one of the cancers we represent and decided to make Panko Foundation the beneficiary of this event every year. So this okay. is um, third year in a row. Well, you're the National Events Manager. Tell us what Pancare does. Tell us about Pancare. Sure. So, Pancare Foundation, um, we're a non-for-profit organisation. Um, we support upper gastrointestinal cancers, which is um, biliary, liver, esophageal, pancreas and stomach. And um, they're really aggressive and underfunded, um, underserved cancers. Right. Okay. Has there been any progress in that funding over, let's say, the last five years? Um, when I started four years ago, I believe pancreatic cancer stat statistic over five years was about 9%. It's just gone up to 125 recently. So in 40 years, there hasn't been a lot of change. Yeah, okay. And, and so that's what makes events like this. And I know they're here to have a bit of fun and, you know, have a few Budweiser, whatever they're drinking, <laughs> and hot dogs, etc. But they're here also about this very, very good cause, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, look, I think um, it's, it's really important to know that community events like this amplify our reach, spread awareness, um, bring funds into the foundation so that we can actually do the great work that we do. We have a, a patient services program called Pan Support. Um, that's actually, we give access to families and patients who are going through this terrible diagnosis financial assistance, we give them upper gastrointestinal um, nurse special support, we give them counselling, um, and they've got access to resources that they wouldn't normally have. And yeah. you're a national foundation. Yeah. What are Queensland like? Um, humid. Yeah, that, that's it? <laughs> that's it. You've got some great pubs, though. You have some great pubs. And this event that you're putting on today, a big fundraiser or a you know, run-of-the-mill type amount of money you're going to raise um, today? Look, we raised, um, not, not, to, not to stress anybody out that's here today, but we'd like to hit 20k today. We raised about 18 last year, and I think we can do it. We've got an amazing crowd here at the Pineapple Hotel. Um, and it's just, it's just a wonderful that they've all come out here again, and they do. We've got a couple of activations. We've got a dunk tank. We're going to have the square buying again. We've got some raffle tickets selling. You can win, you know, a couple, I think there's about 5k in cash. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fabulous day. What's the square buying? The square buying, now, this, I'm an AFL person here, so yeah. please don't um, quote me That's on this. Right. But I believe it's to do with the, the, the grid, um, yeah, okay. and they can buy $10 squares, $20 squares to win um, each quarter. They can win a prize. Okay. I tell you what, I think the, they send it okay. Yeah. The, the part of your mantra is about the families as well. I was at a very, very sad night in Brisbane that I helped compare on Saturday night, uh, soiree for a cure, which is tied to the tour de cure, yes. obviously, which help a lot of cancer. Uh, outlets, but 
Oh, there was a young mum there who lost a daughter to brain cancer, and it was just the saddest, saddest story. I mean, everyone in the room crying their eyes out. And then you realise that, sure, you've got to look after the patients and give them the best possible care, no matter what the potential outcomes are. But the families and the support staff and what they're going through as well, that's so important, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's really important to... Obviously, the patient is um, front of mind with us all the time, but it, it is the carers. They, they go through so much stress, and that's why we have this got this amazing PAN support program to be able to help those families and their friends and their colleagues when yeah. they go through a diagnosis like this. Mm. Uh, now, our listeners, um, if they're feeling generous like they should be, Absolutely. how do they donate and can they help today, for example? They can indeed. They just have to go to our PANCARE website, um, pancare.org.au. Um, and just to give you a quick one, if you don't know how much to donate, if it's $5, $20, um, $40 uh, today, you'll be making a heartfelt impact, empowering a patient and their loved one with one of our PanCare My Kits. Um, and we've got three of them um, on the go at the moment for bilirubin esophageal cancer. So if you just put $40 into pancare.org.au today, that will be giving the resources to a patient going through a really tough time. Are these gastro cancers renowned for having symptoms? Vague symptoms, yeah, no that. early detection. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's really, really. It's, and hot. then they're very aggressive. Like very you said. aggressive. Yeah, that's why it's very hard to get anyone even to advocate for us because by the time of you know point of diagnosis to death, it can, we're talking weeks. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. And yeah. we've got you know we haven't got a lot of government funding, so our funding comes from the people like you guys, the community out there yeah. who um, are happy to raise money for us. Like today, today's beautiful event, this mm. fundraiser. My, yeah, my mother-in-law yeah. went to hospital with a bad back. And it was pancreatic cancer didn't come out. Yeah, we hear stories like that every day, Gills, every day. Yeah. And it's not it's not a, um, a 70, 60, 50-year-old. We've got 35, 36-year-olds happening. Um, it's it's mm. tragic. Yeah. It's really tragic. Uh, look, I know we don't expect governments to do everything for us, and we'd all love more support. That's why events like this are just critical. And as I said, look, there's a big crowd gathered out there. A lot of them, as, as you said, uh, Paul is from Siemens, so, you know, they basically help run the show today, but they gather all their IT colleagues. There's a, there's a collegiate feel about this. And sure, they're here to watch a footy game and have a bit of fun, have a few uh, <laughs> light beers, etc. Sweeps. And, uh, yeah, do, they, do their bit and wear their jerseys and stuff like that. But, yeah, if we can get 20K out of them today, it'll be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. All right, Sheena, uh, great to chat. Wonderful to hear about Pancare and uh, all power to you and your team. I hope you, you. I hope you can raise plenty out of today and I hope you continue to do the wonderful work that you do. Thank all you right. for having me and thank you very much for all of your work and support as well.